0: All right, Nick Smart, we are uh, 10, 15 days from the draft now, so it's been a bit of time playing catch-up, so I'm just going to ask you for your one big thought on the draft first, and then you know we'll do as much as we want here today and and catch up, but I'm sure we'll have stuff to say over the week. So for now, what was your big takeaway from this NFL draft?
1: My big takeaway is a bit personal. Uh, I'm effing old. Because we've got second-generation guys like J.C. Horn, son of Joe Horn, Patrick Surtain second, son of Patrick Sertain, and Asante Samuel Jr., son of Asante Samuel. Um, three guys that I watched play, all at a Pro Bowl level at the cornerback position. And it's crazy already that uh, their three sons are now in my life um, via the draft. So, yeah. Did, um,
0: you, did you see that Joe Horn was pissed at Aaron Rodgers?
1: I did not, and I don't know why not. Um, But I will say that Carolina got a stud of a corner in his son, JC. Uh, I know it's a lazy comparison to make because everybody's already made it, but he could be the next Jalen Ramsey. He plays with the exact kind of swagger. He's got all the physical attributes. I love his style of play. Going into the draft, I thought Patrick Sertain at Alabama should have been the first corner off the board. But post-draft, I think Carolina got it right.
0: You've had some time to sit with it now, uh, even before the draft happened, but the New York Jets, your New York Jets, taking Zach Wilson from BYU. How are you feeling about your future quarterback?
1: Well, quickly before my tangent on that one, I want to hear about Joe Horn and Aaron Rodgers.
0: Oh, so Joe Horn was upset because... Basically, J.C. Horn got drafted, and then everybody just talked about Aaron Rodgers after yep. that. No, oh, before for, and after. Well, yeah. before and after, but there was no yeah. – at, at no point was J.C. Horn ever a conversation anywhere, right? <laughs> I mean, and so Joe Horn was annoyed that – uh, his son, who was the highest cornerback ever drafted, I think he said, or you know something it was. Uh, he, I think
1: Champ Bailey was higher, but yeah, I mean, he,
0: he But he, there was something that made him think yeah. it was quite an accomplishment for him to go where he Probably went.
1: Probably the highest player out of South Carolina, I would definitely wager sure. that. Yeah.
0: Um, and and it turned out that no one, like no one cared. <laughs> you <know? laughs> No,
1: so. no. no I, I. What an ego Joe Horn has. Huh? I mean. Like holy cow. I honestly you know, for him to think that and then what about the family of Sowell? What about the family of Jamar Chase? You know, like Kyle Pitts' family. I mean, for Joe Horn to be the only one to verbalize that,
0: you know, how dare you? Well, I'm I'm sure he's he he's got no shortage of ego. I I have no doubt. Mm, yeah. yeah. Zach would have been cool
1: to Sorry? <laughs> Zach Wilson, yeah. I mean I, I made sure to get on record on Twitter when the pick was about to happen. Um, and I've said on this show before, it's it's it will be Sam Darnold all over again unless they vastly improve the O-line and vastly improve the skill positions. Now, steps have, have been made in that direction, but a Mount Everest amount of work still remains. Uh, so let's not beat around that bush. The Jets are on the right path, but... They've got so much work to do to make sure this kid doesn't bust. And I'm not sure he doesn't bust just on his own, to be quite honest with you. Uh, He played behind one of the nation's best offensive lines at BYU. He had one of the easiest collegiate schedules at BYU, both of which we know he's not going to have in New Jersey, Forum Park with the Jets. In fact, offensive line-wise, I mean, it's going to make his head spin, the difference in talent. So, have fun with that. Um, I will be rooting for him, but do I think he's going to be our franchise quarterback? No, I don't. Would I have rather Trey Lance and Justin Fields? 1,000% yes.
0: Justin Fields was the other big news of the day. Uh, Chicago trading up to pick him at 11. They gave up a fair bit for him. I have no problem with that. Is if I'm he, actually if, surprised that uh, that family in Chicago let that management team do that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, these... yeah,
1: Ryan Pace was already, you know, his job was already on the line. I think it's a great move for Ryan Pace for job security reasons. Yeah, we'll get into the, we'll get into that later. But I I agree with you. The uh, the McCluskey family, which I think still owns the Bears, uh, you know, I'm. Um, but hey, I mean, they they must read the tea leaves too. It's a quarterback driven league. You need a quarterback.
0: No surprises at number one. Uh, Trey Lance to San Francisco was a bit of a surprise. I, I mean, it would have been a surprise a week earlier. It seemed like by the time the draft came, everybody was expecting it. People had realized that Mac Jones was a smokescreen. Uh, I'll tell you, it was
1: a hell of a smokescreen for as long as it was a smokescreen. Yeah. Because uh, people bought it. I actually bought it. I You know, I was very skeptical at first, but I, I figured, hey, man. They, they must have, uh, but yeah, it was supposedly John Lynch and, and Shanahan will tell you it was Trey Lance from day one. And good job on them in 2021 in the media leak environment we live in, social media wise, uh, that that word did not get out of the building. Yeah. Good. Uh, Sam, someone on Twitter had a great point. You know, uh, John Lynch and Shanahan are really good at keeping secrets. The DeForest Buckner trade came out of nowhere, the Jimmy G trade came out of nowhere. Uh, a bunch of stuff that they've been doing comes out of nowhere.
0: The quote I heard from Shanahan was, "All I saw was everybody saying we were taking Mac Jones, and I wasn't about to go correct them."
1: No, exactly right. If if the media is going to do your smokescreen work for you, yeah, you just sit back and twiddle your thumbs. And uh, last pick on or last take on uh, for now, at least on Justin Fields with Chicago. I thought it was a great trade because once he started slipping past that point, they had to go get him. They really did. Um, I don't care what they had to pay. They had to go get him. Uh, Someone was on record with saying they were going to take him. If he lasted a couple more picks, I can't for the life of me remember who it was, but he wasn't lasting very much longer. I can tell you that.
0: Well, I'm sure the Patriots would have picked him up.
1: Yeah. I, you know, uh, Washington. I don't think he was getting past Washington. Yeah. Yeah. Raiders. I'm, between Mac Jones and Justin Fields, I would like to think Belichick would have taken Fields.
0: I, I think you're probably right, too. Um, I'm surprised at...
1: I know the Vikings. That's the other thing. If
0: Well, they waited the, till if, what, the second or the third to get their guy?
1: Yeah, and they, they stood pat at 23 to take uh, Darisaw the tackle out of Virginia Tech, who I like. But if the Bears hadn't made that move... I don't think it would have been the strangest thing in the world that the Vikings would have made the move.
0: Yeah. I, I think the Vikings should have addressed their quarterback situation a little more seriously as a guy who cheers for a team that has a quarterback that was drafted in the second or third round. And one of these middling guys who came in and middled a bit, it's a terrible situation for your team to be in where you've got this guy that's like kind of a prospect and maybe yep. hopefully you know we'll mm-hmm. see how it goes you know minnesota just i, I think extended kirk cousins i think that deal was actually supposed to be up at the end of this year but there's an extra year tacked onto it now with guaranteed money so what i believe
1: are... i believe next year is the first year where he costs more than 30 mil against the salary cap i think starting next year he costs 20% of their Total salary
0: for Kirk cousins for crying out loud. Yeah, you know, exactly. so, and that's that they, money. If you, if you yeah. cut him. it's like, they, yeah. they've got all this guaranteed money on him. So
1: that quarterback they took, they might as well flush that pick down the toilet. We all know he's never going to map well, to Jack. And shit that's now. it. Right. Yeah. Might as well just taking another lineman.
0: I, and you probably should have, because mm. there were lots of guys You know, if you look at the third round, it's lots of tackles, lots of defensive tackles. Um, You know,
1: now the quarterback, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers got in the third round, Kyle Trask. uh, Yeah, that is a great pick. I I think uh, that's not only is a great pick, it's a great situation because Brady is a natural bridge. Arians is a natural quarterback whisperer. Trask universally isn't ready to start year one. He now has time to sit and learn and develop stays in state in Florida. Uh, I thought Trask should have been a late first round pick.
0: I was really hoping the Steelers were going to use 55 on him. Yeah. Uh, should have been a,
1: should have been a late first round at worst early second round.
0: Yeah. And the only thing that gives me pause about Kyle Trask, and this is like, you know, some of my demented thinking about the draft is, Mm-hmm. Is that he went to Tampa Bay? That the only team that ended up taking a swing at the guy was the team that has the head coach who thinks he can fix every quarterback. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like it is. It is a red flag that even uh, our our friends in Las Vegas have decided no, we don't. We we don't want any of that. Uh, but Arians is like, no, no, I can make this work. So you know uh, the problem is if you bring somebody into Las Vegas there's a good chance by week 8 flames are, fans are clamoring to have him in the game huh. not good for the team no, uh, no small, I, uh, can I just and give I, and you I, a little I, bit on Trevor Lawrence here just a tiny yeah. tiny thing yeah I think you are in big trouble when people are talking about your intangibles as if they are tangible like now, I don't know about you, but I was watching on the NFL Network, and when they were talking about Trevor Lawrence, the first thing, it was like on the screen, the first thing, they were like, off the charts and tangibles. Yeah. He's a Christian. Well, yeah, right? Like At, at some point, I'm like, if for my first overall pick that we're going to claim is like the highest-rated quarterback since Andrew Luck, uh, I, I want tangibles. Talk to me about tangibles. Now, I think he has a lot of those. I think he has elite accuracy and, and, a, and a pretty good arm. Yep. Um but
1: doesn't have a Jay Cutler type canon, but he's got a plus yeah, arm for sure.
0: But like, okay, so talk to me about that. You know, don't don't give me this intangible nonsense no, on a no. first overall pick. No, no. Um, it's and it feels like a it, bit of a red flag to me. If that's it, it gets, that's what we're looking at.
1: It gets a bit old, and I've been guilty on the show of hyping him up as the best QB prospect since Peyton Manning at Tennessee. The more I read post draft. It's starting to sound like that that was a bit hyperbolic by all the scouts. Yeah. And it's sounding like maybe he isn't Mr. All World that we thought he was. I still think he was much deserving of being the number one pick. I still think he's going to have a great pro career. But I think a lot of it's going to be on Urban Meyer to make sure. Uh, and, of course, the Travis Etienne pick at 25 is a good start. His Clemson teammate getting him in that backfield. I like what they're doing at receiver. But it, like the Jets, there's a lot of work to do uh, with the Jaguars, and yeah, we'll see. Uh, we'll see what Lawrence has got.
0: So I, I, like Etienne. I'm not. I, I have no reason to shit on the player, and I like the idea of pairing those two up. In a, in isolation, if you just look at it like that, right? But we're looking at a team that has a lot of holes. There's a reason they had the mm-hmm. first overall pick, and you already had mm-hmm. Carlos Hyde and James Robinson. So yep. James
1: it, Robinson was coming off like a number two fantasy year, yeah.
0: And and there, I I've, I'm unsure if um if, if I'm remembering this correctly, but my understanding is that Urban Meyer came out and said, "Oh yeah, he'll be our third down back" or something to that effect.
1: Yeah, yeah, that quote was much uh, maligned because we all know it's a fucking lie.
0: Well, uh, regardless, I mean, you have. The the one place you actually have talent on this team is at running back. Yeah. And you're using, you know, your your second most powerful pick uh to address the running back position. And I, I agree. And and the other thing is like I I'm not sure who they thought was going to take him between twenty five and thirty-three. Like the Browns aren't in the running back market. The Ravens just drafted one. I, I think the Saints are comfortable with their situation. Yeah. So the Packers, is that the theory that the Packers would have taken Etienne? But like I think they're happy with Aaron Jones. Buffalo's put too much draft cap capital in the running back position already. Ravens are set, no, and no. Tampa Bay's well, not going to do that. So. I
1: will say a lot of mocks had the Bucs taking either Harris or Etienne, both of which didn't land to them. But a lot of mocks did have that, uh, because I, I think it's expected that Fournette won't be back next year. Um, yeah, I mean, Jacksonville, you know, it's they could have they could have filled a lot of holes on the roster at twenty five rather than taking a running back. I do agree, but Carlos Hyde, I think we can all agree, is well, on last, his last legs. Yeah, last legs for sure. Um, And at the end of the day, as much of a Cinderella story James Robinson was last year, he was a UDFA. He was an undrafted free agent, signed off the street. So he could revert back to that at any given moment, and we wouldn't know any better, right? I like the Etienne pick, much like I do like the Najee Harris pick by your Steelers. Now, I'm not saying every team should take a first-round running back, but every year there's a couple guys that I think in the 20s and 30s sometimes deserve to be taken. And I think this year fulfilled that.
0: I have long been a proponent of not taking running backs in the first round, period, end of story. But I will say that I think if you're if the best argument for taking one is taking one between like 22 and 32 in those last yep. 10 picks of the first round. Yep. Because what you the advantage you do get is that fifth round option on the guy. And mm. you and I, I think both agree that, uh, most running backs aren't going to be valued, that valuable in their sixth and seventh years.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, and, to get the fifth year on a running back is huge.
0: Yeah. And so, uh, and lots of running backs hate it and try to hold out and all that nonsense, but they've put some mm. stuff in the CBA to make that harder. Uh, and so, if you're using a late first round pick, where you, you know the Ravens ended up drafting another wide receiver there, right?
1: I don't. Yeah, I was. I I didn't like that pick. Rashad Bateman out of Minnesota did not like that
0: pick. Yeah. So I mean,
1: I they've already got like three wideouts they don't throw the ball to.
0: There's there's a, a Calvin Johnson scenario where you've got a guaranteed banger, and that's a top ten pick. But when you're starting to look at guys at the end of the first round at wide receiver, I the difference between these middling wide receivers and an elite running back, I think it's probably better to get a running back in a lot of those situations. Yep. The, and the, I will... Sorry, just to finish off there. Like, the, the difference to me between the Jags and the Steelers is, like, what were the Steelers could have upgraded their O-line. I I think that's probably a fair argument if you're like, they should have been trying to see what they could get at offensive line. But, you know, the next offensive lineman taken was at 42. It's clear that there wasn't a lot of talent there at that point once uh, um, Minnesota took their tackle. So, but Jackson, so, and and Pittsburgh has like nothing to upgrade on defense, right? Like defense is set. You could maybe get a corner. I think there's some uh, good argument to be made there, but like. Lost
1: by Dupree, maybe his replacement.
0: Yeah, um, I think whoever you put on the other side of J.J. is going to have a good time, though, right? Yep. Um, So, like, I I get it with the Steelers. With the Jags, when you have so many holes, it's just, it it feels like malpractice to me.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. I agree, definitely. Um, One last note on that Rashad Bateman-Ravens pick. Uh, If they were that intent on taking a wide receiver... I would have much rather than take the guy that my Jets got in the second round, Elijah Moore at Ole Miss. The guy that used to play with uh, A.J. Brown there at Ole Miss. Yeah, I think I was surprised when a couple teams passed on him. Uh, the Giants taking Kadarius Toney out of Florida. Thought they should have took Elijah Moore at Ole Miss. Uh, I think that Giants pick at number 20 has mega-bust potential.
0: So the Eagles trading up to Dallas to get Devontae Smith... Um, I, it worked I, out for the
1: Cowboys because everybody—the worst kept secret going into the draft was the Cowboys were either going to take J.C. Horn or Pat Sertain, whichever one was left on the board. Once the Cowboys saw that both were off the board, they said, "Screw it, we'll trade down and we'll get our next defensive guy in uh, the Penn State linebacker, there, Micah Parsons."
0: Yeah, so I—I I, I guess the question that if you could, you know, give Jerry Jones some truth serum, like was Philadelphia the only one trying to trade for that pick or was Chicago trying to get in there for Justin Fields as well?
1: It's a good question. My guess is that the Bears weren't yet at that point. But I could I could be very wrong.
0: Yeah, and cuz I feel like the Giants were taking DeVonta Smith if uh, right like if that yeah. previous yeah. series of events doesn't happen, I don't think Chicago trades into 11 cuz I think the Giants are just taking Smith there. Yeah. Um, yeah,
1: the Giants wanted Smith, Waddle, and once those guys were off the board, uh, yeah, that's why they went for her, that uh, unknown Tony out of Florida who has bad hands. Receiver with bad hands, how's that going to work? Yeah,
0: yeah. So, um, it, well, I think they've seen that a few time a few times in Giants land. Yeah, uh, they they have problems all over. the The New York Giants are really. Um, A bit of a shit show as far as drafting goes. I like Joe Judge just fine. I think as a coach, he's actually pretty good. But they, Good motivator of people. Yeah, they but they got to get that fucking goofball GM out of there. Um yep. Because Joe Judge is being asked to make a chicken salad out of chicken shit, and it's going to be a bad yep. time for him.
1: As long as number eight is under center... In New Jersey for Big Blue, they're going to have prom.
0: And we're entering a third year now where we're supposed to take that seriously. Yep.
1: Yeah. It's Trubisky watch for Daniel Jones this year. Yep. Yeah. The only question is, will he end up in Buffalo next year? I,
0: I think uh, I, I think there's a good chance Trubisky will hang on as a backup yeah, for quite some he time. Will. He will. Yep. Uh, all right. Anything else from the draft you want to do today?
1: Oh, I mean, there's tons of stuff, right? Uh, How about Mike Mayock? Uh, doing Mike Mayock things and overdrafting a guy by like a, a solid round and a half. Talking about Alex Leatherwood, the tackle at Alabama. Sounds like a guy they could have got much later. Some people are saying, hey, if it's your guy, what, matter, what, what does it matter what pick it is? I'm not sure I buy into that. I think it does matter what pick it is. I think value matters. I think maximizing the amount of talent you can get in a draft class matters. Uh, no one was taking Alex Leatherwood in the first round. Why Mike Mayock felt he had to take him at 17. Uh, I mean, we all remember the clee Farrell mess. Um, you know, draft class rippled with defensive end talent, and he takes, like, the number six guy third overall. I love Mike Mayock, but he seems to be drafting himself out of a job in real time here. Uh, There's yeah. guys and, that
0: and- you and I have liked, but... I I just have a hard time seeing a cohesive strategy in what they're trying to do out there in the desert. Well,
1: like, it was very puzzling to me when they showed two of their Pro Bowl offensive linemen the door, Rodney Hudson going to the Cardinals, Gabe Jackson going to Seattle. Both NFC West teams loving those upgrades on their line, I'll tell you that. So... It did make sense that they took the O-line, and I, I just thought it was a mega reach. I really do. I think they should have traded down or took in another guy. Maybe Darisaw, the kid that uh, the Vikings took. I don't know. We'll see. Maybe I'm wrong, but I think it, it it smells to me like James Carpenter all over again when the Seahawks took him out of Alabama over nobody. Um, the other thing I want to mention quick, Zabin Collins, the linebacker out of Tulsa to Arizona at 16, I think in a couple years, we're going to look back at Arizona and say they were innovators and they were spot on with these two last first round picks in Isaiah Simmons last year, Zayvon Collins this year. Or we're going to look back in a couple years and be like, what the fuck were they thinking? (laughs) Because this is the second year in a row they've taken a position, a positionless player. They still don't know if Isaiah Simmons is a nickel safety, uh, you know, a weak side linebacker, what he is. He's an athlete and he's made plays. So he's a playmaking athlete. But now they've got another guy who they're not sure where the hell to put him. Uh, So, I, I mean, yeah, that's kind of the way the league is trending, right? where you just want your best guys out there. Even if they play two positions, it's not so position limited anymore, but I don't know. I just think the Cardinals are playing with fire here, having two back-to-back first round picks on defense that don't have true positions. Um, maybe I'm wrong, but yeah, I don't know. I, what I, do you feel about that? I
0: think that's a great point in that, that this is a place that Arizona clearly needs help. They are not, strong on defense Arizona games this year were basically shootouts, all shootouts, you know? Um, and and it, it, most of them didn't feel particularly close even in that, in that way. Right. That it was like they would score the other team would score and you never had any doubt that that was going to happen. You know what I mean? Um, I, I don't know that, adding at linebacker is going to help them there. I think a lot of their problem is an inability to pass rush and an inability to cover. And so if, if they just want to keep stopping the run, you know, quotation marks. Hmm. Sure. And, And that might be part of their strategy, right? Is that like, we will not let anyone play ball control against us that it, it will be a shootout, but we're not going to let you do this shit where you keep us off the field half the game. If you want to go score seven points and then let us back on fine. I don't think that's a great strategy, but that might be no. their strategy, the way this is starting to look.
1: It might be. It might be. And like you said, they do need pass rush help opposite uh, John Jones's brother. Um, I, And maybe the plan is to let Zayvon Collins come off the edge. I, I certainly love his attitude. His uh, draft day call uh, with Steve Kime, the GM, went viral uh, for good reasons. And I love his attitude. You know, I'm good for him if he thinks they're going to go out and win a ring. Um but yeah, I just, it kind of reminds me of the Hassan Reddick pick. And we all know what happened with Hassan Reddick. He was basically a bust for three and a half years. He had like two good games last year, one of which he had like a five stack game. And of course, he parlayed that into a free agent offer somewhere else. I think it was Carolina or somewhere. But I don't know. I just, I, I love the thinking outside the box. I just think they're thinking a little too much outside the box here.
0: Did Cincinnati make a mistake taking Jamar Chase at five?
1: I don't think they make. I don't think they made a mistake taking Jamar Chase, but I do think they made a mistake not taking Penay Sewell at five. Yeah. Now, if if they picked eight or nine and they took Jamar Chase, beautiful, right? I understand what they were thinking. I understand Joe Burrow probably was in their ear a lot on this one. I understand that you're Cincinnati and you're already worried about your franchise quarterback, leaving you the first chance he gets. So you're, you're probably apt to try to make him as happy as he can. Look at it this way. As good as Justin Jefferson was for the Vikings last year at a rookie at LSU, it was Jamar chase who was the dominant of the two, the year Joe Burrow won the title. Right? So if, if Justin Jefferson can do in the NFL, what he did with Kirk cousins in Minnesota, People should be pretty pumped for for what Jamar Chase can do in the NFL uh, with Joe Burrow. But the other side to that is Joe Burrow pretty much blew his knee out. And, you know, I mean, per- pass protection was a major issue for Cincinnati. And to pass on a generational, what it sounds like, player in Pene Soel, a guy that had some of the highest draft grades ever given to an offensive lineman.
0: The Detroit I, I Lions think the, were out of yeah, their oh mind happy when they got this guy. Oh,
1: my God. And Dan Campbell, a former inline-blocking tight end, who had that, you know, we're going to bust their kneecap in the trenches, quote, this is the guy he wanted, trust me. Yeah. And I had money that Sewell was going to be the first offensive lineman off the board. Beads of sweat did appear on my eyebrow when Cincinnati took Jamar chase. But when I saw the Dolphins take Waddle, and then I saw the lines on the clock. I knew I was in good hands. Yeah. And I knew that they were not going to mess that pickup. So props to the Lions. I think they got the dancing bear of all dancing bears. And with the Bengals, it's so hard to say. Because Jamar Chase is a stud. We all know he's a stud. We all know he's going to be a stud. But there was a meme going around. And if Joe Burrow was on his back, how is he throwing to Jamar Chase? Yep. Right? So...
0: And if, that, and if that's Joe, a tough one, if Joe Burrow gets hurt again, what does it matter if he's happy or not? Yep.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. I think the thinking inside the Bengals building was we have a guy out of Alabama who they took a couple years ago, Jonah Williams, who had to red shirt his rookie year because he tore his knee or his shoulder or whatever it was. So I kind of feel like they're kind of feel like they have two first round picks this year. Right. and that they're all set at Swell's position with Williams. Um, I would argue that they should have kicked Williams to the right side, had Swell come and play the left side, um, and taken a receiver in the second or third, or traded back up, whatever.
0: You can find guys in the second or third. Exactly.
1: Receivers, I hate to say it, grow on trees more than these dancing bear types
0: do. Yep. So, uh,
1: you know, I like to pick, but I don't like to pick as much as... You know, as pussy as that sounds.
0: Yeah, position scarcity is a real thing.
1: It is. And the Lions are just going to be laughing. They've already got a gold jacket guy.
0: Um, I, th- I think Atlanta is going to be picking in a similar spot next year. I think Kyle Pitts, it, it, I, I even if you take the view that Kyle Pitts is a generational player, I, of course, don't take that view because I don't think we can scout tight ends like that.
1: He's the future at the position.
0: And I think we've said that before with Kalen Winslow and Vernon Davis and both times. It ended up being a bit of a bust of a pick. Um, I I just don't see a world where Atlanta gets any better without getting better on defense. And by drafting a tight end here, it's like, all right, you guys, we'll, we'll see you in the third overall pick next year.
1: Yep. I agree. I mean, they could have badly used J.C. Horn at number four, badly. Uh, The guy they took last year, A.J. Terrell, Uh, I think he was like the fifth corner on most people's boards, and I think they made him the second corner. So I still have issues with that pick. I don't think he had that much of a good rookie season. Yeah, it's 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 like the Jamar Chase pick. I I love Kyle Pitts. I think he's going to be good for any offense. I think if they're serious about making one last run with Matty Ice, Pitts is the guy. But there are some pretty glaring holes on yeah, that you roster. Can't, you and can't make a run with that defense. No, no, you do need corners. You do need dancing bears, both of which they passed on. They lost Alex Mack in free agency to San Francisco. So I don't know what their plan is at center. I'm not saying they should have took a center fourth overall, but yeah. Now I, 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 do believe that we will be seeing more Kyle Pitts in bigger numbers going forward. There's going to be more bigger wideouts that get transitioned to tight end, go to the gym, put on 10, 15 pounds and turn into Kyle Pitts. Uh, There are kids who grew up watching Antonio Gates that are, are are going to be showing up in the draft in the next couple of years. I firmly believe that.
0: Um, Bouncing back to your point (laughs) about the Raiders, are we going to have a conversation about them taking Jonathan Abrams a couple of years ago and now taking two safeties in the second and third rounds? Like what are you, what are you doing?
1: Yeah. I like the morrig pick at a T at a TCU cause he had slipped and he is by all accounts. He sounds like he's a stud. So I, I do like that pick, but then it stops there. Right. Yeah. You play him across from Abram and it stops there. Yeah. I don't even know staying on the field, but he did, he did that. There is some concern there, but a lot of that is like, um, Derwin James with the chargers. It's just their style of play. They, they play like guided missile torpedoes. I mean, it's, you can't really coach that out of them. Um, and Derwin James is another topic for another show, uh, with the chargers picking up his for a fifth round option. Better hope he stays on the field this year. And if he does, he's going to get paid big. So there's a lot at play there. I'm trying to figure out who the Raiders took as that second safety. Uh, uh Devine I've, Diablo out of Virginia Tech. Never yeah. heard of him. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, I don't, I don't get it. I, I don't understand what Mike Mayock is doing half the time. Again, I loved his contributions on NFL Network. I thought he was the best draft guy going. Yep. Uh, I thought as soon as the Raiders hired him, he was just going to absolutely tear this process up. Uh, he's torn it up in a different way, not a not a good way. Um, time will tell, right? I mean, the Raiders better hope they're competitive this year because it's not just Mayock's job on the line. Uh,
0: so we made it about 33 minutes without talking about what ended up being the biggest draft story of the yep. day which was Aaron Rodgers wants out of Green Bay. Now, I find this interesting for two reasons. One, I don't think it's actually a huge surprise if you take a look at everything that's happened, right? They drafted a quarterback last year. That quarterback, by all accounts, is not a good quarterback. Nope. So instead of using a first-round pick to help the team get better now, they start, quote-unquote, planning for the future. And instead...
1: I'm not sure Jordan Love goes ahead of Kyle Trask in this
0: draft. That's, that's a totally fair point, yeah. So, in instead of uh, trying to make your team more competitive and keeping your quarterback happy, you basically slap him in the face. That quarterback comes back, wins the MVP, takes you to a conference championship game, and in that conference championship game, in a game-defining moment, your coach takes the ball out of your MVP quarterback's hands to kick a field goal that doesn't even make any fucking sense. And so, here we are on draft day 2021, and all of a sudden this story comes out. Now, if you listen to Adam Schefter afterwards, Adam Schefter will tell you he had no sources per se. It's just that he'd heard enough of this stuff that he felt like he could go public with it. And I don't believe you, is my answer to that question. Because this screams and shouts... That Aaron Rodgers and, and Jason La California or, or whoever from CBS made this point as well, that a- Aaron Rodgers got slapped in the face on draft day last year and draft day this year rolls around and he goes, oh, you remember that? Okay, deal with this. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, I, I don't want to say it's the ultimate payback because ultimately it didn't really change that much. And clearly Green Bay didn't factor any of this in as they drafted a cornerback in the first round. Yeah. I just, oh, God.
1: Um, Position of strength for them.
0: Yeah. So, to whatever extent that the Green Bay Packers have decided that they want to make Aaron Rodgers happy and be a part of the team, they did not show that on draft day by going to the defensive side of the ball, like you said, on a position of strength. Uh, And instead what they do is they roll out and basically tell him yeah fuck you we're gonna do whatever we want and if you're not gonna take the money fine we'll let you play out the contract but we're not going to trade you and this is this is all to the conclusion in my mind that they will not trade him before january or pardon me june 1st right because if they trade him now it totally fucks their cap and they're doomed if they trade him june 2nd everything's totally fine for them. They they have to eat some money, but it won't be the end of the world. So my question to you here has got to be is Aaron Rodgers starting the year on this team? And if so, how?
1: I think cooler heads are going to prevail and I think he's going to play for the Packers this year. Um, a report came out in the past couple of days that this dates back to the start of 2020 when he was approaching Packers free agents, telling them that he wouldn't be back. Um, so it sounds like this has possibly been going on considerably longer than people think. I get his frustrations, right? I mean, until he threw a, put- a touchdown to a back end of his career in Mercedes Lewis last year, he had never thrown a touchdown to a first round pick. I mean, that is crazy. For the James amount of Lewis years,
0: was not a Green Bay pick.
1: No, exactly. Yeah, he was a first round pick of the Jaguars like twenty years ago. Yeah, exactly. Like that. Ble- like I was semi aware of that, but when I actually saw that in print, that blew my mind. For the amount of time that Aaron Rodgers has been in this league, it's crazy. Like I know under Ted Thompson, the Packers had certain draft morals and do's and don'ts, and they didn't like taking high end wideouts early. Last time they took a wide out in the first round was 2002, uh, Javon Walker. Uh, Shout out to him. He had some good years in Denver and in Green Bay before he blew his knee out. Um, But yeah, the Eric Stokes pick caught me off guard because I've been like a broken record on this show talking up the DB corners. I think the Stokes pick is directly correlated to Kevin King getting burnt in that last game. I think they know they're set with Jair Alexander. And even though Kevin King is 6'4", and he's got all the Richard Sherman traits, doesn't always play like that. And he did get burnt, and that did contribute to them losing. So I think they figured, okay, we've got three guys we like there. Why not have four guys we like there? Should it have been a wideout to appease Aaron Rodgers? Yeah, I think it should. I think it should have been the guy the Jets took. I should. I think it should have been Elijah Moore at Ole Miss. Um, it's funny how they did end up taking a receiver who was named A. Rogers. Of course, Amari Rogers out of Clemson. But even that they got wrong because Equinamia, St. Brown's brother, the stud out of USC that I've talked about on the show, Amron St. Brown, was sitting right there. They should have took. They should have took the kid out of USC. It would have been a great story. Reun- reuniting him with his brother. He already has. A, this kid out of USC already has a personal relationship with Rodgers. It made so much sense, and they still blew it. Ah, God. I just. I completely understand where Aaron Rodgers is coming from on every fiber of this. I just feel like he's not going to pull a Carson Palmer and completely sit out a full season. I, I just think he's too old and he's too still in the back end of his prime to, to flush a, a full season, of ball down the drain. I think he plays this year in green Bay, cool heads either prevail or is wearing a different Jersey next year. If the trade happens on June 2nd, I think the only, con, uh, candidate remaining is the Denver Broncos.
0: And it sounds like they think they have him at this point. John Elway and the Broncos? Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, I don't know what kind of package they're going to offer. It's going to have to be a ton of first round picks for the next five years, I guess. But yeah, I mean, it's right. Right now the market favors Elway, right? Because as soon as the 49ers took Trey Lance, that fell through. And even though Aaron Rodgers put the Raiders on his list with the Broncos and 49ers, we haven't heard a peep out of Las Vegas.
0: I, I'm sure, I, I, am, I am positive that they would upgrade at quarterback if they could. I mean, Carr's been making... So the Raiders, yeah. Oh, God,
1: yeah. With Mayock's job on the line, with Gruden's time ticking, yeah, absolutely. They would bring in Aaron Rodgers over Derek Carr so quick it would make your head spin. Yeah. I just don't think Mayock thinks... He can either a put together a competitive package or b is willing to pay that price. Both of which he should because the price he's going to pay, he's at this stage not going to be around to use those picks.
0: Well, and new new town, old franchise, but new town, and yeah like get yourself competitive any way possible. Yeah. Now it's Las Vegas. I think they're going to be well and fine for selling tickets yeah. and having people yeah. go into the games. Yeah, but you know they, they they got some some thinking to do around how they're um yeah. how how they're going to be competitive cuz cars not going to get you there i think i think that's fair to say at this
1: yeah point. this is his last year as the starting quarterback barring a playoff run this is his last job or his last year as the starting quarterback uh for the Raiders. I firmly believe. Um how do you think the Rodgers thing is going to play? You don't think he's going to sit a whole year, do you?
0: No, I think he goes to Denver. I think I think nah. June, June 1st, June 2nd he goes to Denver.
1: Yeah, okay. Yeah, I can I can sign up for that. I think it's either that or he plays the Packers. I to for him to pull out Carson Palmer, I just don't see it.
0: Yeah, I I think Elway wants to cut a big check and and do his yeah. Elway shit again and say like, "Oh, you guys thought yeah. I should ride off into the sunset and ha yep. ha ha."
1: Yep, I got another Peyton. Yep, yeah, it's Peyton all over again. Is, yeah, what, it, it is right? it, it, exactly what it is, right? And that's exactly the same formula.
0: Yeah. Um but the the pack can't trade them right now, and if they want the picks, they need to, you, you know, they need the draft year to roll over so people can give them picks further in the future. <clears throat> Pardon me.
1: So, um, so what you're saying is every NFL fan should be marking June second on their calendar.
0: Yeah, I, I, I mean, if it doesn't happen on that day, it, I, I don't think it'll take much more time. Um, I will say if if there's a holdout, it will be, a, if we thought Le'Veon Bell was a circus, this will be yeah. a whole other level. Yeah,
1: especially um, with him filling in as Jeopardy co-host, which I didn't even know till the other night.
0: Yeah, I watched him do it a bit. It's it's good, good enough. You know. Yeah,
1: I mean, it doesn't sound like the ratings are doing very well, but hey. They've good well. They've had him.
0: they've had everybody rolling in there. They had Anderson Cooper. They had the guy from Sixty Minutes in there. Yeah. Um. Probably Ken Jennings at some Aaron point. And Aaron Rodgers. I watched Ken Jennings. I thought Ken Jennings was good. He does yeah. have like some kind of speech impediment or something that like is a little uh, jarring on occasion. it uh, doesn't. But um, he, it's like he's he's mostly worked through it. But there's times where, I it's just jolting some of the things yeah. he says. But it's it's really not that bad.
1: I hear. It. The way I look at it is he's the most successful Jeopardy contest participant ever and he's entitled to have whatever well, kind of
0: and he's young enough that he could do it for 30 yeah. years right yeah, yeah. Uh, that's
1: what that show needs is is another consistent host
0: because the guy i'd like to see get it is lavar burton i think that's oh yeah reading rainbow yeah um you know i think that'd be a great Person to have there but the problem yep. with levar burton is like he's pushing 70s like 66 or oh, something is he? yeah so i mean you it's know, been a while since up, star trek yeah and so do you end up in the exact same situation like not to yeah. be cold about it but like yeah. if in yeah. three years levar burton has a cancer diagnosis yeah. and like is the yeah. show just done then
1: you're right you're absolutely right they should go with youth and we all know rogers can't do it full-time so
0: well rogers will insist that he can't Rogers uh, was on the record saying there's 365 days in a year. I play football for, you know, 6 months of those and Jeopardy films for, you know, 85 days. And so I could make all that work. So,
1: I mean, I like his enthusiasm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like his I like his work ethic, but if I'm the Packers, uh, yeah. I know you know our playbook, Aaron, but uh, yeah. I don't know. All that added travel I don't know, man. Yeah, I I, fully I wouldn't agree. I yeah. If I'm an NFL team, I'm not signing off on that. Yep. Yeah.
0: Um Any final thoughts on the draft before we move on? Oh
1: man, there's so much. We're gonna be talking about this for weeks. Um Chuba Hubbard, the Canadian. Fourth round pick. Carolina Panthers. I love it. I think he should have been a second or a third. I think uh, he's got the speed to make an impact in this league. And I think, as a change of pace to the oft injured Christian McCaffrey, I think it's a brilliant pick by Carolina. I like Carolina's first draft or second draft under Matt Rule, getting JC Horn, getting Chubba Hubbard, I love it.
0: Uh, my only last thing on the draft before we move on, and, and we're going to end up talking about this at some point. Uh, Houston did go out and grab a quarterback at number 67 in Davis Mills from Stanford. Yep. Um, listen, I don't know much about the kid, but. I think it was over called Trask. It should have been Trask. I uh, know. Trask, Trask went before. Oh, okay. Trask went 64. Okay. Um, I, Houston has to figure out what's happening at quarterback. They have an issue that somehow has fallen off of all of our radars. Uh, but it is a real and present problem yeah. for them.
1: It sounds like the consensus belief is that Deshaun won't be playing football this year.
0: And and, and because with, of legal, legal reasons. Issues. Yeah. yeah, not
1: because he's going to hold out, but yeah, legal. Like, even if he wants to play, he won't be playing dead there.
0: So just worth noting to me that, like, 67 was the first pick that Houston had, and they went quarterback. Uh, They didn't try to trade up to get one of the better guys. And frankly, they didn't go out and try to get somebody like Trubisky or whatever who in a pinch could start. Um, So yeah, we'll, we'll see how all that goes. But keep an eye on Houston because they clearly have some issues that are not fully resolved there. The UFC has had a couple cards since we spoke last. Now, I believe we talked after... Usman Masvidal and Rose, have we done a show since then?
1: No. Okay. No.
0: Well, let's let, let's uh, very quickly cuz this is a couple weeks ago now. Um UFC 261, Usman knocked Masvidal the fuck out. Uh what a delight it was to watch him get unconscious. How how did you feel about that show?
1: Yeah, um you know, they did it once. So I'm not surprised with the second result, having seen the first result. Um, you know, Masvidal got, Masvidal got a bit of a taste of his own medicine, uh, getting knocked out there. He's usually the one on the other end of that. Going forward, uh, interesting pass for both guys. I, I think Masvidal's hopes at the title are gone. I agree with you that the BMF title should have a lineage. Usman should have left the ring with the BMF title that night. Yep. Um. With Moswell going forward, there's the Connor fight, there's the Nate Diaz rematch, there's a, a ton of fun stuff. So no no shortage of good days for him coming. Uh, with Usman, I mean there's he's chasing goat status, he's chasing St Pierre stuff now. Yep. Uh, the the main thing they say that GSP has on him is that GSP or GSP beat the next generation. So now Usman just needs to stick around and start beating the next generation guys. Yeah, which I, I think is firmly on his own is uh, if he doesn't fight Jake Paul next, uh, if you can believe yeah. that. Well, it sounds like Colby um, wants
0: him.
1: Yeah, exactly. Well, That's the fight to make. It's Usman and Covington next. That is the fight to make. I don't care what anybody says. I don't care what anybody thinks about Colby Covington. He is the true number one contender. Him and Usman need to fight next. How do you feel about that?
0: Yeah, you 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 run it back and you run it back in front of fans and you see how much of an idiot Colby's going to be publicly again. Yeah,
1: it's one of the best fights I've ever seen though. It really is.
0: It was. I but the thing I will remind you of, and I, everybody's been saying it, and I think everybody is very accurate in this. Usman is getting better. He is. He, that's so, the scary. Yeah, that's so the scary thing. Yeah. The idea of like running it back for Colby should be fucking terrifying because Usman's going to walk into that ring better than he was almost two years ago now.
1: Absolutely, but I do think Covington might be a little bit better too, because since they fought, Covington has left uh, American Top Team, and he's gone to his own gym, and now, as in his words, he says, everything that happens in that gym is focused on him. He's got 12 guys focused on him at all times, whereas that ATT was a completely different story. They've got... Killers and killers and all stars on that roster. So maybe Cumming's a little bit better too. But we, you know, Uzman is making big strides. I mean, the guy's a NCAA All World wrestler. Doesn't even wrestle anymore. Doesn't even need to. Yeah. I mean, his hands get better at each and every fight. And I'll I'll circle it back to this: if this guy really is bone on bone in both knees, it's so much of a bigger and better story than people even realize. Um, quick note on the wayley Rose fight. I'm still in shock that Whaley got beat. Anybody that doesn't think Rose has to fight Whaley next is wrong. How do you feel about that?
0: Oh, I don't think that's the fight. No, it's got to be. It's It's absolutely got to be. You run back Whaley, Joanna, as a number one contender. No, no,
1: and the reason you don't, someone had a great point. I agree with them. The reason you don't is Joanna has already factored into this tournament. She's lost to both these girls. There's nothing to see there.
0: Well, I uh, don't. I mean, you can't say there's nothing to see and no, running back she the does, greatest yeah. female fight that ever happened.
1: Yeah, no, Yeah, exactly. I think you do run that back, but I don't think that fight is next for Whaley. I think she rightfully gets a chance to go back and get her title from Rose.
0: Why?
1: I'm not saying there needs to be a universal rule that when someone loses a the belt they get an immediate rematch, but hey. But, I think Whaley deserves a, a so, shot but
0: here's here's my thing right like Whaley didn't lose in a five round fight that went to the judges and no, I know. you know I it know. felt like oh uh, who what could it be that girl but got she knocked, got caught she got knocked the fuck out she was a lucky lucky. Strike. I mean, call it luck. Call it what you want. No, but like, I know she got knocked yeah, the fuck she out. She did. Right?
1: She did. I lost she a lot did. of
0: money on that fight, but she got knocked the fuck out. I, I did as well. Which, she yeah, did. But which we will
1: I, make it back on the rematch.
0: I'll tell you what. I actually don't mind. Like, I you know, I don't I, I don't love losing money. Obviously, but like it, the times where it like feels okay is where it's like that clean cut. Like, I would rather lose a bunch of money on somebody getting knocked the fuck out yeah, than a, on something that went decision. to the judge's scorecard yeah. and you're like, wait, yeah. what?
1: Uh, uh, the Eon Kutalaba incident well, against Jacoby
0: speaking of we are going to Texas this week uh, and so yeah, we yeah, keep that in mind when we're trying yeah, yeah. to make money
1: terrible MMA judging Yeah. Um, but yeah no, I just I'm surprised at the lack of pushback involving the Whaley rematch and again I don't want to seem like Mr. Boring here that as soon as a champion loses their belt, and you just chalk up that rematch. I'm not saying that needs to be a universal thing, but in this case, I do think it does.
0: Yeah, I just don't think. I, I feel did bad for it.
1: No, I get it. I get it. I get it. And I like Rose. Don't get me wrong. And I feel bad saying this, but I do believe it was a lucky shot, and I think Whaley beats her in the rematch. I,
0: like, I, I think both can be true. You know, I, I think it was to a certain extent a lucky shot, but also. Whaley's like, if you get knocked out, you get knocked out, and you have yep. to earn a second title. You don't just get one when you get knocked out. No, I, I get it. You know, I get it. Um, and then and the fact that the fight, you know, that the one-two fight would be a rematch of the greatest women's fight that ever happened. Yeah, mm, um, that should get the same treatment that Nate Diaz is getting, where you get a five-round co-main, um, even yep. if it's not a title fight. I. Uh, that's a thing that should be getting five rounds, even though they're not in it for a title.
1: I agree. I agree. I it's. I uh, it's. I agree in both ways. I just. I. I don't know. I. Know. I, I think Lee deserves a shot at her belt again, and I. I don't think she should have to really go through too many women during that.
0: Uh, let's talk about last week's fight night. Dominic Reyes comes out to face somebody we've been talking about for a year. Mm. Mm-hmm. And I say that not sarcastically. He made his debut and I said, Hey, look out for this guy. And you said, Hey, he's not got a Wikipedia page. Yeah. yeah. Um, Since
1: he's gotten that Wikipedia page.
0: And, and so he won that fight and every, probably every six shows or so I say to you, Hey, what happened to my guy? Like, is he not going to come back and fight again? Cause like he did this fight Island fight and, and just kind of disappeared. And you're like, I, yeah, who knows? Maybe you know. And I think we've kind of heard buzz here and there. And then all of a sudden, he's headlining this fight night against Dominic Reyes, of all people. Yep. Um, and, Guy that quote
1: unquote beat John Jones.
0: Yeah. And in a in in a fight that you know, if you take fights that last two rounds and and put them up against each other, I would put this up get up against any of them. Because in those two rounds, there was violence. And a lot of violence.
1: As Someone said he throws with nasty intentions. Every strike Yuri Prohaska throws, uh, he's got real bad intentions.
0: And Lord knows Dominic Reyes is a similar kind of fighter in that way. (laughs) Um, And so Yuri, who looked like he was about to be knocked out on the top... uh, and and, and took some real stiff shots and I worry about his chin. People are like, Oh God, what a chin, what a chin on this guy. And yeah, there's something to that. But ultimately we, we've got a guy out here who is just taking shots and not particularly great at defending himself. Um, so as, as much as I like the guy, uh, and I loved the extremely violent knockout with the, the spinning elbow, um, the talk that, like, okay, let's get him, you know, he's in the title fight, t- title picture now.
1: They want to give him right now. He said he needs another year.
0: And, okay. And if I'm him, I probably feel that way, too, because that chin needs some time to recover. yeah um, You cannot run around in the UFC taking those shots and expect to live very long.
1: I agree. But the, will thing, the one thing I will say, I have to concur with... Uh, With the great Chell Sonnen on this one, if Yuri Prohaska thinks he can just go sit on the sidelines and remain the one contender, he's absolutely foolish. I mean, you got to strike while the iron's hot in this industry, and you can't, like, it's all well and good that you feel you need a year off to go improve your skills. This is a guy that was, when he was initially offered a UFC contract, he turned it down because he said, I'm not ready yet. I still have more fights in Europe I got to do. So, you know, it fits his character, it fits the story, but again, look, dude. You got to go take that title fight whether you're ready or not because those opportunities don't come around very often. They certainly do not grow on trees. And if you think you can just go sit on the sidelines and A, remain the number one contender, and B, more importantly, B, remain in the minds of the fans, you're wrong.
0: I, You put me on giga chickadaisy? Chickadazzi? Yeah. Chicka
1: the Georgian National, Giga Shikadze. Bright, uh, bright future.
0: I will tell you what. He sure came out and uh, badass did, did yeah. some hurtings. He's a badass.
1: That liver kick was no joke. Nope. He is an elite kickboxer, and his kicks are different level because he has accuracy behind them. He knows exactly where your liver is. He he knows. You ever seen, remember the movie uh, Three Ninjas? The grandfather would come out with the little wooden doll, and he'd say, you hit here, and you hit here, and the eyes would light up. Well, that's Giga Chikazi's training must include that because he knows exactly where to kick. Poor, poor Cub Swanson. You, you know, you you saw him absorb the liver shot, and then you could just see the internal processing and then he just drops.
0: Well, on TV, just the way he dropped, I was like, "Wait, did he get nutted? Like, did he hit him in the nuts?" It it really looked like that. Um, and then Jigo went to get on top, and and the ref was pretty quick in getting in there and saying, "No, no, 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 he's 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 dead. It's please stop." Yeah. Uh, speaking of refs, on that. Reyes fight you know we give Herb Dean we I mean like the UFC community give Herb Dean a lot of shit a lot of times he was in there pretty instantly when Dominic Reyes got dropped yeah. and I, just, I mean, he fell on his
1: face right
0: well sure but I mean Herb was in position and ch- yeah. like as, as quickly as these fights go you know I bet you it wasn't more than one second one and a half seconds between mm-hmm. that punch landing and Herb having his body between the two men yeah. Um, so, and, and That's for true. all the shit that Herb gets, I think we should try to acknowledge when he does a good job sometimes too. It's
1: true. Just to finish off this card, I got to get this off my chest. Cause I already mentioned it. The Eon Kutalaba versus Dustin Jacoby fight was ruled a draw. Yeah. A couple thoughts on this. First of which, uh, Eon Kutalaba highway robbery. He had a takedown. He, I thought clearly won that fight. I don't know how that was deemed a draw, Uh, second note on the draw thing, I guess the judges didn't feel like doing their job that night by deciding a loser and a winner. Uh, so bad job by the judges. Um, even if they would have said Jacoby won that, I would respect that more than a draw. And the last thing, and this is for Ion Kutalaba's corner, why he was not given the advice to go out in that final third round and get a takedown. I, I have no idea whether he was given that advice and ignored it or was not given it, I think it was malpractice because all it would have taken was a simple, simple takedown in that third round. He gets his hand raised. Your thoughts.
0: I, I, I have no disagreement on anything you said there. It was that, that fight, the fact that it ended up being a draw didn't shock me. Um, that was on the table with the 10, eight to open. Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know why you wouldn't uh, just be a little bit more aggressive and try to get the win. It's exactly, Very, right. Very exactly.
1: confusing. Exactly. And final note on that, the reason this fight was making headlines was, of course, because of the stare down at the weigh-in when Kutulaba grabbed uh, Jacoby behind the neck and things got real physical. That, of course, a week after the Jeremy Stevens-Jakar Close incident where Jeremy Stevens shoved Jakar Close, uh, a dehydrated, I should say, Jakar Close Car close Close's neck snap back, he ended up with whiplash injuries. The fight was scrapped. What I'm getting at here, and I'm sure we're going to get to a point with Dana, is these standoffs are getting too testy when it's leading to injuries that scrap fights that cost money, that affect livelihoods. Things have gotten too far. Um, Yeah, it's... Well, it's always... We've been- had two of these two weeks in a row, and I just... If we get a third one here in the next couple of weeks, there's going to be new legislative rules. these, what these
0: guys have figured out that you the way to get attention is to pull some of these stunts at this yeah at the way have it have it go viral. Yeah. and that's the worst thing that could possibly happen, frankly and and I'll tell you the other thing this these weigh-ins are like a fucking relic. Who are they yeah. for? You well, don't...
1: they always say it's for the betting public, so you can get one last final look. Because, like with Stepe, when Stepe came in forty pounds light, yeah, I guess a lot of people ran to the window and changed their bet. So, I guess, like historically, that's what it's for: is so that the betting public can get one final look at these guys before they go to the window and place their bets. But you're right; it's it's an arcane endeavor. Well,
0: and but you could do it still, and just make like put a youtube video out there right yeah Yeah. um there's there's no need to have this shit where they're standing and you know doing the face-to-face and and screwing around with Mm. each other especially with covid Uh, i mean shit do uh, and i'll tell you what put a fucking piece of plexiglass between
1: yeah you know
0: like just it's not it's not they had
1: yeah i think they had that for askren and paul and yeah they, they should have that they should yeah because Dana White and whether it's Dana White or Sean Shelby or whatever it is, well, I think Dana between, likes doing the whole. Yeah, he does. Back, right, he, he does. Likes but in the center attention, like. Yeah, that. exactly. Gets his picture taken, and all that stuff. Yeah. But I mean, we all know you're not going to stop two trained killers yep. from engaging if they really want to engage. So let's stop the ruse there.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, last night's fight night card was a bit of a snoozer, to be honest with you. Um. The only notes that I would have coming out of that is just Neil Magny, I thought looked real good uh, against Jeff Neal, the battle of the Neals. And it's time for Donald Cerrone to pack it up. The biggest disappointment from last night for me was that the Angela Hill Amanda Rebos fight didn't happen. Oh yeah. What Um, happened there? Rebos got COVID, um, which at this point I'm like, wait, who doesn't have the vaccine in America? Like, you guys yeah. fucking can just go get it. Like, I'm reading stories of people coming from El Salvador to Florida yeah. just to walk into yeah. a place and get it. It's that easy Absolutely. to get down there for them. Absolutely. So, I Good,
1: uh, almost a happy accent for Angela Hill, though. She's almost too active. I mean, I, she fights thought, like six times yeah, a year. Yeah,
0: and I, I thought Rebus was going to teach her a lesson, too. So yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know what the betting odds were on that, but I had Rebus. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah. I mean, there's a I would have laid a lot of lumber on that. Yeah, uh, good for Hill
1: to get some rest.
0: Yeah, well, and I'm sure she'll be back in a couple weeks.
1: Yeah, yep. and she's got a bright future uh, in the studio, the post shows. Yep. She's been doing a lot of work with Karen Hill and uh, Bisping and all those guys. Um, so she's got a bright future beyond fighting.
0: Yep. Uh, Speaking of canceled fights, Nate Diaz, I don't want to say canceled, but they've pushed that from 262 to 263 now.
1: Really? I heard Connor and Poirier got shifted to July as well. Because um, Connor Poirier 3 was supposed to be in late May, and now it's been shifted to July. I, I didn't get the reason for that, and I hadn't heard of the Nate Diaz one, so I wonder what that was going on.
0: Yeah, I've got July 10th in Texas, or pardon me, in, in uh, T Mobile Arena, so in Vegas, for Connor Dustin. Yeah. Um, I'm surprised they're not trying to do for a a, a Connor rematch, especially they're going to have Gilbert Burns versus Wonder Boy on there too. Mm, um, that's going to be a good fight, which is, which is a good fight. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm surprised they're doing T-Mobile arena and not trying to do that Vega, the Raiders building. Um, uh, I, I guess running arenas like you want to run a full arena fine. And they're not sure if they could fill a stadium yet, but you know, mm. Canelo just filled at t stadium yesterday. 70, what was it? 78,000, uh, to watch um, Canelo Alvarez in his fight.
1: So I I get the feeling that they're saving uh, – what's the Raiders? No, Reliant.
0: Reliant Stadium, I think. Yeah, no, yeah. Reliant, no, is it Reliant Houston?
1: No, I think Reliant's the new LA one.
0: Uh, A- anyway. No, that's SoFi. Oh, yeah, SoFi, yeah. Anyway. Um,
1: I get the feeling that they're saving the UFC's uh, debut at the Raiders Stadium for Adesanya and Jon Jones. Right. Now That fight could still be two years away, so maybe I'm wrong about that one. But I get the feeling that Adesanya in general is being saved for the Raiders
0: field. Well, Adesanya is on the Arizona card on June 12th, Adesanya-Vittori. Yeah, that one, yeah. Which they think he's just going to ruffle them.
1: Yeah, off, exactly. So, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, even though Vittori, the first fight, there were, I think, one or two judges that thought he won that fight. So. Yeah.
0: Um, so speaking of judges, we're heading to Houston for, uh, Oliveira. Charles, Oliveira and Chandler, which I think is a pretty good fight. It's a, yeah. it's a good main event. The rest of the cards a bit blah, um, a... Ferguson Dardouche. Now was this yeah. always on the card and they just got elevated to co-main or did this, was this a pure fill in situation?
1: Well, these two have been paired up for a bit now. So I, I think, uh, I think it's always been on the card. Okay. Uh, this is a big fight. Benny Dariush is on quite a tear. And I think we all know of the gatekeeper status that Tony Ferguson is now, uh, yeah. for lack of a better word, inherited. Uh, that so that's a big fight. he too, hasn't he? Yeah, exactly. Right. Um, in the Oliveira Chandler fight, I mean, the stakes don't get bigger than that, right? Yeah. The winner goes on to fight for the title. Simple as that. And Hermanson Shabazian, that's a good one too. I like J- Jack Hermanson a lot
0: yeah ferguson two losses in a row now with uh olivera and Gaithji getting gone two killers right yep, i can't definitely. fault them for that yep but i mean if if we want to do uh, you know the the way i talk about these fights sometimes the last guy he bait was cerrone so to what extent are we you know factoring mm-hmm. that now that was in 2019 that was a different cerrone but like uh, you know, the quality of competition, I think Darush is like a real dude, you know? Mm, yeah. Um, and, and we're going to see what, what he can do.
1: Yeah. Just uh, one final note on this card that just happened. Uh, Gregor, the gift Gillespie getting back on track with his win over Carlos Diego Ferreira. I have not yet watched the fight cause I was at work last night. I'll be watching the fight as soon as we get done here. But, I just want to say it's great to see him get back on track because he took a head kick from Kevin Lee that knocked him into another universe. And he took some heat on social media for that. But people need to understand, nobody could have taken that kick and not got knocked out, right? Yeah. So it's nice to see Gillespie get back on track. He's only had one loss, and it was because of that Kevin Lee head kick. Uh, Big things on the way for Gillespie. I love his style. It's very Khabib-esque. I, I, in fact, you can rewind two years ago, and a lot of people were saying Gillespie is the Dark Horse guy to give Khabib his first loss. Of course, that fight's never going to happen now, but uh, I still think Gillespie has uh, bright things ahead.
0: Um, anything else on UFC before we move on? Uh,
1: let's see. Ah. Uh... Uh... No, I think I'm good for now.
0: All right, I want to talk a little bit about the uh Canelo card last night. Yeah. Do it. Um I want to like boxing. I like I like competitive violence. I I am a fan of competitive violence and boxing is a thing that I should like. And it is so hard to like boxing when you've got the alphabet soup nonsense of all the titles and the weights and you know like a weight class every 4 pounds and all this nonsense that's that's its own problem and makes it very difficult to to start with but then you tune in for this big canelo fight and they've got this undercard and let me tell you what i saw on the undercard i saw a man have Uh, another man punch him in the shoulder and then it slides from his shoulder to the back of his neck and kind of rubs the back of his head and he takes two steps back and then grabs the back of his head and falls down like he's been shot and yells and screams and screams and yells and yells and screams and screams and yells. And then the doctor comes in and he won't let the doctor look at him. Like the doctor's trying to put the flashlight in his eyes and he's he's like pushing him away so he can't look. This is all, like, I, I'm not sure if I'm painting the picture clearly enough. This was soccer level nonsense that was happening from this guy. And so... They go to try to help him up. They're like, get up. Come fucking finish the fight. And he's like, no, no, I can't get up. So they have to call the fight. And they're like, okay, well, the, the fight's over. We go to the judges' scorecards, whatever. An absolute embarrassment for the sport. A Completely despicable shit to watch. Like, if you don't want to fight, then don't get off your stool. Um, that's fine. But this nonsense was fucking embarrassing. Uh, and and I I hope this guy never gets another fight that he's paid for ever again in his life because he doesn't deserve it. Uh, it's will... kind of weird how
1: like the delayed collapse on the ropes. Yeah, like he like he took one stop, he took one step, and then he was like, you could see that as soon as he clued in that it could have been a fringe punch, he just immediately started selling it,
0: and and professional wrestlers are less, yeah, <laughs> you know, exactly. dramatic about how, yeah. how they do some things. So, okay. So, th- so that happened. There was another fight that uh, went to the judge's scorecards. That was a title fight that I actually thought was uh, a pretty reasonable fight between a British dude and an African dude and the African guy won. And, and, but he got knocked down towards the end. It was compelling. It was what I would like to see in boxing. Uh, but then the, the other fight is you've got 104 pounders in there. And so, you know, you can assume how hard the 104-pounders are hitting. They're professionals, but, like, they're still 104-pounders. Um, and so they're out there swinging at each other, and they get to the um, eighth round, I guess, of a 10-round fight. And this one guy's losing. Like, the, the the older Japanese dude is definitely losing the fight, but he's not bloody. His His eyes aren't swelled shut. Um, and, and he's swinging. He's, like, taking his swings. He's trying to make it happen, you know? And so there's some flurry, uh, not, frankly, not particularly violent, Um, and the ref just steps in and is like, all right, that's enough. You're losing this fight. It's over. And so, like, why do we have 10 rounds if the ref just gets to decide in the eighth that you're losing so you don't need to keep losing um part of boxing is that this fucking other guy wanted to get up off his stool and wanted to come out and keep taking swings at this guy's head because if one of them lands he wins the goddamn fight and the ref just decides no you don't get to do that now to the credit of the guy who got screwed he came out and did like some wild shadow boxing in the middle of the ring right in front of the ref afterwards. And the crowd was going wild for it because he he was clearly showing like, I got stuff left in the tank. I'm not hurt. This is a bullshit stoppage. And it was a bullshit stoppage. Um, And so, you, you know, you get that and you're like, fuck, man. I, like, why why am I watching this sport? And And then we get to the main event. And I want to be real clear, Canelo uh, broke the guy's orbital bone, it sounds like. Um, his eye looked pretty swelled shut, so if he didn't want to get off his stool, that made sense to me. And his corner waved it off, and even though they say only the ref can stop the fight, I guess your corner man can too. Uh, and and that's, I, I can live with how that fight stopped, especially if he you know, broke his goddamn orbital bone. Um but if you look at you know, we've been talking about going to Texas. If you look at the judge's scorecard from that fight, I don't know what fight they were watching. Cause Billy Joe Saunders won uh, I, I think I had him winning three rounds when when it ended after eight. Um and most judges only had him winning one or two. And the three he won I thought he won convincingly. And there were two that were question marks that could go either way. And so it's like all the judges gave Canelo both question marks and, you know, some of Billy Joe's rounds too. So, um, you know, you take in weird stoppages, early stoppages, and insane scoring. Man, I don't know why we're watching boxing. And I don't think we should. Because I had UFC on the other screen and everything made sense there the whole night. But you watch the boxing, it's a fucking clown show.
1: It is a clown show, and the, the shitty thing for boxing fans is there's two big fights a year, if that, right? I mean, at least with with the UFC, there's a card every Saturday night. Boxing, I mean, I can't even imagine being a boxing fan where boxing was my main number one sport I followed because it would just be maddening. And the other problem, and I'll take this out of Chael Sonnen's book, he points to the, uh, the recent Jake Paul fights. Boxing are doing too many rounds. Just like you said, like, you know, they should all be eight, seven round fights rather than two guys going out and knowing, okay, I know you can't go full 12 and you know, I know I can't go full 12. So let's just waste two of these. I mean, that's where the fan suffers, right?
0: Well, and three minute rounds seems wild to me as well. That, you know, in, in MMA, those five minute rounds, like they get tired by the end of the round for sure. But like, you do three minute rounds you're doing 12 three minute rounds they're going to fight for 36 minutes okay you do 10 they're going to fight for 30 and if you do eight they would fight for what 24 Uh, you know mma they do five minute rounds but they do fucking three of them they fight for 15 minutes total Mm -hmm. and it is way more entertaining and you know the other thing that ufc does that's like i i don't think we talk about enough if you watch a ufc card do you know what you see you see fights, and then when they're done fighting, they bring out another fight, and when that yeah. fight's done, they yeah. bring out another fight.
1: Exactly, rather than the mariachi bands.
0: Yeah, they're not Snoop. sitting around in between. and do- Man, that Jake Paul shit was wild. Oh, my God. That- I,
1: like, I appreciate the fact that they want to entertain us and want to keep us entertained, yeah. but at the end of the day, we're tuning in to watch fights, yeah. not live concerts.
0: Yeah, and I you know we look we were talking about UFC 262 coming up this weekend there are four early prelims four regular prelims and five fights on the main card there were gonna be 13 fights between 6 15 and midnight my time um but what that what that means is that They just go They're like Here's a fight Here's the next fight And now there's another fight They don't fuck around No If
1: if one fight If a guy gets KO'd early Then they bring up The next fight early There's not like Oh we gotta fill Yeah 45 minutes of TV
0: That Canelo shit last night There were four fights On that card It started at 8 Oh dear It started at 8 And finished around 11pm My time 11 maybe midnight So they did four fights In three Four hours just brutal. What are you doing, you know? Just brutal. Yeah. Um, other stuff around the sporting world, I think we have got to mention Connor McDavid, 100 points in 53 games, is it?
1: Yeah. Very, very impressive. Also, Austin Matthews is, what, 40 goals? Yep. Um, uh, A personal one there because my godmother's Uncle was Gordy Drillen. A lot of people don't know who Gordy Drillin is, but Gordy Drillen was the last Toronto Maple Leaf to lead the league in scoring. I believe it was in nineteen like thirty or nineteen whatever, but pre World War II, uh, the last Maple Leaf to lead the lead in scoring was a guy named Gordy Um nice. Friend of my family, you know, uh, direct relation to my godmother from Moncton, right? One of Moncton's greatest sons. So to see Austin Matthews uh, break his record has been a, a personal thing in my family, a Leafs family. Um, so shout out to McDavid and shout out to uh, to Austin Matthews for two hell of a campaigns, right? I mean, in a truncated season, it's not easy. Now, quick note on the Gordy Jordan thing, that was back during the original six when they didn't play 82 games. So different things at play there, but I think you could argue that Those original six teams were, I mean, to make the NHL back then alone was a feat because there were only six (laughs) rosters. Right. Um, so yeah, there's, there's, you know, there's definitely asterisks here and there and things that have changed and stayed the same, et cetera. But yeah, back to your point, shout out to McDavid. He is a a world-class best player in the world. Simple as that.
0: Um, I'm just reading this now. I'm not I'm not a big horse race guy, but the only name yeah. I know Bob Baffert, in horse racing is Bob he's Baffert.
1: Been, he's been putting needles into horses for 10, 15 years now. Everybody I listen to on sports radio would talk about it, but you would never hear a peep at a Tariq on NBC or any of the major media. This guy has been doping horses forever, and finally, finally, it's caught up with him.
0: Sounds like Churchill Downs has banned Baffert from entering any horses at Churchill after Medina Spirit is going to look looks like he's going to be forfeiting his loss there Horse. or for, for forfeiting his, the championship there. His derby, yeah. yeah. When um, you stick
1: needles into horses, I mean that that's not good. <laughs> it, and it and Baffert's got a
0: lot of derby wins too.
1: He does. He does, and that's why like I said, it's been running commentary on sports talk radio in the u.s that this guy is doping horses and nobody's talking about it and when i saw that headline break i was at work and i just let out a sigh of relief yeah and said finally the world is in on this fucking crook
0: yeah like Um, is there
1: any is there anything more disgusting than shoving a needle into an animal that can't consent I mean, as a lover of animals, it's it's honestly one of the most disgusting things. If, I mean, and, and, and then to if reap profit.
0: It, if, yeah, if you're doing it nefariously, sure. I, I, I would agree with that, right? Like, yeah, in a vet, array, in, yeah. in
1: a vet uh, landscape where it needs medically to save the animal, of course. Yeah, of course. But nefariously to win money for... Fucking people who already have a ton of money because they needed a ton of money just to buy a piece of that fucking horse. Yeah. I mean, the whole thing is white privilege, white trash, just disgusting behavior. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Horse racing is its own little thing, and I don't think it's a particularly good thing. No.
1: We could find ourselves in a, in a landscape in 15, 20 years where this sport doesn't exist anymore. Now, with the amount of money on the line, that's going to be tough to put that toothpaste back in the tube. But stay tuned on that one. Yeah. Can uh, it, unless you have something to hit right here, I, I feel like we got to touch on Alomar before this shows up because we haven't talked about it privately, and I'd like to get your take on it. And I feel like it needs to be talked about.
0: So I'm I'm not up to date on the specifics, but I'll I'll say this: there's there's a joke around my house here. That is, it's always the ones you medium suspect. Um,
1: mm-hmm.
0: I and I think Roberto Alomar fits that uh, you yep. know mold. This yep. is a guy who literally spit in an umpire's face. Yep. Um, yep. Yep. I I don't. I think anybody who is still naive enough to think that the Venn diagram of exceptional athletes and exceptional people is a circle. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. get yeah. get yourself checked. That's, if anything, we've yeah. learned that it's almost always two circles. Exactly. Um, to quote
1: the great Charles Barkley, we are not role models.
0: Right. And these are men that have, you know, almost always men, that have uh, been put into positions of power and mm-hmm. privilege uh, and wealth. And that. have usually
1: skipped some educational rackets to get there and, and at have, a young age. Yeah,
0: and have usually had some fabricated education on the way. I think that's a mm-hmm. good way to put it. Mm-hmm. Um, so to say like, oh, I can't believe Roberto Alomar. I'm like, no, I, I can definitely believe. Yeah.
1: No, no, to me, it's not that. That's not why I brought it up. To me, it's the guilty until proven innocent era we found ourselves in 2021. The, the the rapid pace that they took down, all his banners, removed everything he had to do with the Hall of Fame, all this stuff, all this cancel culture stuff. Again, yeah. if he's guilty, he should rot in hell. But, I mean, when I was growing up, it was innocent until proven guilty. And that all that's all there was to it. But holy cow, this guy has been crucified and he's guilty even before he's even had a second in a courtroom. It's, to me, just unacceptable
0: that's it's interesting you say that because i i most like i think both of the things that we're saying can be true here right that there there are are serious enough allegations and i think it sounds like there's more than one and it's you know it's it's the kind of stuff that you're like okay this probably happened
1: yeah it's andrew cuomo governor of new york type stuff like again with cuomo i have no doubt that he's guilty
0: and so if that's if those things are true, does that mean we take the guy out of the Hall of Fame or take down his uh retiring his number for the Jays or whatever? Again, I, yeah, I think like I think no, right? Exactly.
1: exactly. To have your retired number hang in the rafters somewhere doesn't have to mean you're a good person. Yeah. It means you were a good athlete. That's yeah. where it should end.
0: Um. So I yeah yeah I'm I'm wholly on side with that. That it's not the the fact that we've moved everything into um you you know your personal life and your professional life sort of thing right the the, this is one of the most exceptional baseball players that ever lived i i would argue a a top three second baseman um and, and so to have to act like that is no longer a thing that happened because of this other part that is is a, is real and should be acknowledged and should be discussed. That does not mean that we t- all of a sudden act like he didn't do those other things. Now the p- the part I would say is like you don't bring him back on a Wednesday Jays game to have everybody give him a standing ovation. Yeah. yeah. Right. No. When you
1: until he's proven
0: innocent, right? If, if yeah. Yeah. If, um. If there's sh- the if there's the. court if there's a celebration of the 1993 team, you don't bring him out.
1: Not, not right now. No, Yeah. no, no. but but like hanging over him. Yeah. You don't, you you don't pull down
0: the stuff he already did though.
1: No, exactly. It's like, uh, yeah, exactly. Like, you know, if someone was having a wedding and there was, you know, legal charges hanging over a relative, you probably wouldn't invite that relative. But once that relative has been proven innocent in a court of law, and those charges no longer are hanging over that person's head, That person should be able to step back into their life, right, without the stigma. Yeah, I'm not saying Almeyer is innocent, but the fact that we've all just written him off as guilty 30 seconds after the allegations surfaced, I mean, to me, is batshit crazy and the slipperiest of slipperiest slopes that we could ever go down. Because what's next? I mean, someone who is 100% innocent, which we all know has happened, gets accused of something, and then that's it? That's it? No day in court, no day of ret, no evidence to the contrary. No, what about this guy's side of the story? And it doesn't have to be a guy, it could be a woman, too. Like, I just again, when I was growing up, it was innocent until proven guilty, and I just don't know how that is completely flipped 180 to guilty until proven innocent. Yeah, and furthermore, why people are okay with that? Why people just say, Oh, well, times change, and that's how it is now. I mean, whatever happened to the court of law. All right, Anyway, right I'm glad we both touched no, on I that. no I think yeah and that, that one was festering over here <laughs> that's all right I had to uh I had to make sure we were both on record on that one yeah. I feel like I cut you off though you had something to bring up before that
0: no I was just gonna say I okay I, I, I don't I don't think there's anything else like honestly happening in the sports world right now okay I yeah like, I was like I, I'm like I think yep. we might be done because like we're what, what we gonna talk about NBA playoffs I've... like NBA playoffs don't matter until the conference finals those, I agree those first I agree. couple rounds are a fucking joke.
1: I agree. And there's uh same thing with the NHL, you know. We still uh even though they're one or two or three weeks ahead of the NBA, we still got to get to the meat on that bone uh. Yeah. NHL's uh, going to
0: be interesting cuz it's like th- this new format where I I think if I understand correctly, each division is having their own playdown and one team's going to come out of each division, right? Um, yep. is, is my understanding of how they're going to do this. So that I, I, I find that format interesting and, and would actually like if they kept this format moving forward. I know they never will because they still want Sidney Crosby to go into every building and all that nonsense. Yeah. Um. But I mean, if they did this, I don't know how many games they did, 58, 54, something like that. I think it was 53, but I don't okay. know. So let's say they you do 53 games of just these divisions and then make the other 19, mm, the, tour. Yeah, the tour. The tour, yeah. right? I agree. Every, you, you, and, and actually, that makes perfect, well, they have more than 30 teams now. But if they had 30 teams, 29 would make sense, yeah. right? Because you could just do exactly. every They'd team once and every other year you flip, you know, which They'd team figure it was
1: yeah. We all knew 82 was too much.
0: It's always, we all knew It's that. always been too much. Yeah, it's it always exactly exactly has and always way. will be.
1: Yeah, whether it's the NBA or the NHL, it doesn't even matter the sport. Yeah. If the NFL played 82, it would be too much. If the if hockey division played
0: fifty three, yeah, that's a good number, and and just kept doing that. But you started in October, yeah, and the playoffs start in March, yeah, and you're done by you know yeah, May, cause,
1: yeah, because the Stanley Cup Finals in June, in June is, is not just good so for anybody. Stupid. No, yeah. it's not good for anybody. Even the the diehard winter hockey fans have already started their their summer vacation. They're down at their cottages. Yeah. Some don't transfer their cable packages there, et cetera, right? So it causes problems there. I do think they got something right with the Canadian division. I'd like to see yep. that stick around for sure.
0: Yeah, I love I love the idea of uh, Pittsburgh and Philadelphia playing each other eight times in a year. You know, like this is the kind of stuff that football has always got right. That they're like, okay, you've got your division and your division matters because uh, six of your sixteen games are going to be against those teams. Yeah. um I agree. baseball does a lot of that well too i think i think hockey could really step it up and the idea of having this canadian division is is quite the thing i don't think they'll keep it up but it's um it was really useful for this year
1: i agree for sure you asked me if i had any more ufc takes i actually lied to you mm-hmm. because i do have one that i don't want to wait till next week to get off my chest it involves Zabit megamed sharapov who uh over the past couple of days, past week or so, has been threatening to retire. A um, couple of things I have to say about that. First of which, nobody gives a fuck outside of Dagestan. If you want to retire, go retire and get it over with. Don't cry to the the North American U.S. media and try to get people on your side. Nobody gives a fuck. We respect your talents in the cage, but if you don't want to fight anymore, then go. Go retire and, and just, you know, go hang out at your mosque and we don't need to hear about it because that's the last thing I want to be reading about. On the flip side, I think it would be a shame if he retired because, like I said, he's still in his prime. He's got a lot of good fights left in him. He is bummed out because after the Yair Rodriguez fight fell through, when Yair was uh, Yair was suspended for PEDs or failed drug tests, whatever it was, mm-hmm. he feels like Dana and the UFC didn't do a good enough job of getting him another fight partner, getting him another fight. So he's, you know, frustrated. He feels like, Hey, you know, there's no fights there and I'm tired of waiting around. So I'm going to threaten to retire. You know, it's the leverage of all leverage moves, right? I don't know who's at fault here. Cause I'm not a fly in the wall in the matchmaking uh, rooms. My guess though, is that Dana has offered him three or four guys now and he's turned them all down. Yeah. Because Dana knows this guy's still in his prime. Dana knows that these Dagestani guys sell, you know, pay-per-views, sell numbers. For the UFC to just leave this guy rotting on a vine like this guy claims they are, I just don't, I don't buy it. I don't believe it. I think Dana offered him three or four fights. I think he turned them all down. And I think Dana said, hey, we don't care if you're Brock Lesnar. We don't care who you are. If we offer you four names, you, we call you to work three times a year. And if, if we make that phone call and you turn it down once, that's a problem. You turn it down twice, uh, all right, three or four, hey.
0: We don't need to waste our time here.
1: Yeah, we'll talk to you in six months when you're when you're desperate to fight for a paycheck, right? So, again, I feel for them, but I don't believe them, and I'm sick of the sympathy tour, you know? Yeah. It's like uh, if I'm dating a girl and, you know, doth protest too much, oh, well, I'm interested, you know. Then go date her, right? Dump me and go date her. Shut the fuck up. Get on, you know. So I'm, I'm at my ropes with the beat, Mega Macharpoff, because I, I just don't, I don't have time for it. I don't have sympathy for it. Fuck him. Last quick one, Yaziel Puig. Why Yaziel Puig isn't in Major League Baseball right now, hitting cleanup or maybe bottom third of the order for someone, makes zero sense to me. Less than zero sense. The guy can still mash a baseball. He's still maybe not a five-tool player, but he's still three or four-tool. We all know that. Now, he had a deal with the Indians or the Cleveland baseball team that fell through because of COVID this time last year. He was one of the first big-name athletes to test positive. Since then, crickets. I don't know what the hell happened. I heard the White Sox were talking to him this offseason. I thought he would have been a fit there. I have to think he's going to be back in baseball Be back in baseball soon. I know he's reached out and he's getting the word out there that he wants back in. If I'm a team that needs an impact bat, hey, worst case scenario, you DFA him, right? And then you wash your hands of him and it's over. Yeah. I just don't see the risk here. I see plenty of reward. What do you think?
0: Um, I just think he's a head case and people don't want him in the locker room.
1: I get it, but just tell him straight up. Look, we're bringing you in. There is zero tolerance for this, right? No,
0: but dude, that's not. But that's not how it works, right? Like, if you, if it,
1: it does. It, Look with the no, Cowboys no, no, and I, Greg Hardy.
0: If you got a Looney Tunes, you can't just say to the Looney Tunes, "Hey there, sir, please don't be a Looney Tunes," right? If they, they're gonna, they're gonna no, be I get what it. they be. But if
1: the Looney Tunes are putting out letters to agents, saying, "Hey, man." I'm ready to play ball. I'm in shape. I just want to play ball. Give me a chance to come in and play ball. If they're that desperate and then you put it to them straight up as they're coming in the door, hey, this is zero tolerance. You told us you wanted to play ball. You told us all you were interested in playing ball. If you do anything except for play ball, you're gone. We need you to say, yes, I understand and nod your head. Okay, let's go. Simple as that. I just don't see the harm in that. I don't see the risk. Maybe I'm delusional, but I, I just, that's, if I was a GM, that's the way I would put it to these types.
0: Yeah. That's so fair. I, I like, I, I totally get that. I just think you don't, you don't want to risk it because then it's, then it's a distraction. If he does do the crazy, uh, you know, because the, the worst thing that can happen, the worst thing that can happen is if they go, you, you get, some Looney Tunes happening, but it happens after, you know, seven weeks where the guy's been hitting three twenty, you know? And so then it's like, okay, well now he's going Looney Tunes and we can't get rid of him. Yeah. <laughs> I hear you there. Um, and, and then you have a problem. Cause if you're out there looking for a ring I now, I'm sure there's lots of guys who have won a championship with some, with, with some of the nutsos, but, if you're looking for a ring, you can't have some disruptive shit happening in that locker room. And so if you've got one of these guys out there doing some shit and then, um, you know, this comes out, it's just, it's a tough, it's, it's a real tough spot for guys. I think. Yeah. Um, I hear you. That's how we got to look at it. I hear you. Yeah. All right, man. Uh, I think that that's a wrap for this week. As always, my name is Charles. He's Nick Smart. We thank you for listening and we will talk to you again soon.